Statistics tell us that one in three American adults want to reduce or eliminate gluten from their diet. The gluten-free diet is a necessity for an estimated 21 million Americans, many of whom remain undiagnosed. Finally, according to industry statistics, the gluten-free food industry is set to top $6 billion this year. So when you're inundated with all of this marketing and information from out there, where do you turn and how do you do a gluten-free diet well, meaning that you support your overall health and you make healthy food choices, healthy gluten-free choices? Last week, we spoke with Dr. Samantha Brody about gluten, what it is and how it can affect your health. Today, we get to continue our conversation with Dr. Samantha Brody, naturopathic physician and licensed acupuncturist in Portland, Oregon, about being gluten-free and how to do it so as to support your overall health. Dr. Samantha Brody is a graduate of the National College of Natural Medicine here in Portland, Oregon. She's the founder and owner of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Hillsdale, Southwest Portland, and Dr. Samantha curates glutenfreeportland.org and is an advocate for gluten-free foodies everywhere. She has been frequently interviewed and quoted as a well-respected resource for numerous publications, such as the Wall Street Journal, Shape Magazine, First for Women, and several local Portland publications. Dr. Samantha, welcome back to Health Currents Radio. Thank you so much. It's nice to see you again. So let's get on to the nitty-gritty. You know, it's a big gluten-free world out there with thousands of products to choose from. You can get gluten-free bread, gluten-free pretzels gluten-free fudge brownies, cake mixes, pizza, and even donuts. <laughs> so even though people want to keep the, quote, flour products in their lives, there must be something more to being gluten-free. So how, do, how does someone start? Where do we go? So the, the easiest way to, and the easiest and healthiest way to eat a gluten-free diet is to simply eat whole natural foods that are naturally free of gluten. High-quality proteins, good-quality fats, vegetables, fruit, gluten-free grains. The gluten-free grains, tell us what they are. Okay, so uh, grains like quinoa, uh, gl certified gluten-free oats. That's another thing we should probably chat about in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, rice is a gluten-free grain. Millet, amaranth, to name a few. How about buckwheat? Buckwheat is fine. Buckwheat is fine <laughs> since it's not a grain, right? It is it's not a, a it's grain. It's an herb. And uh, so those are the, the grains that you can work with corn. And corn, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a big variety of grains that you can eat to get that kind of fiber, carbohydrate feeling that you like with other things, right? Right. And the, the catch, though, is that we, we know that eating whole grains is healthier than eating refined grains where they take the germ and the bran off, which means most of the nutrition comes out of it. So the difference between, say, white bread and whole wheat bread in the gluten-free world would be the difference between white rice and brown rice or um, uh, you know, other kinds of refined products that they use to try to mock up mm -hmm. uh, flour products. So there are lots of gluten-free breads out there. You know, that's the hardest thing I find when I talk to people. It's bread and pasta, right? right. You know, uh, the cakes, the cookies, that's a whole other category. But <laughs> bread. So you look at, you know, you go out there and you look at these gluten-free breads and there's like tapioca starch, xanthan gum, yeah. potato starch, white potatoes, which are not the best for us. Right. So, you know, what kind of breads could people find? Or do we have to get back to doing it ourselves and making our own bread? And Right. It's very hard to make your own decent gluten-free bread. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that I would say is that, you know, the thing that makes bread 
bready is gluten. It's the thing that makes it chewy and gives it that bread-like texture. So it's difficult to make a gluten-free bread that mocks that texture up. And it's most easy to do that with refined grains, with potato starch, with tapioca starch, with white rice flour to try to get as close as you can. So the best choice is to just not eat bread, right? Because mm -hmm. bread is tends to be more refined. It tends to not you know, um, for a lot of people, the grains don't digest well regardless. Now, if you're going to eat gluten-free bread, you want to look for something that is higher in fiber. We have a great local company called Happy Campers. I don't know if oh, you're familiar wonderful. with them. And they've just re um, – I don't know if you use the word reformulated for bread. Yeah. But they've got new recipes that have increased even more the level of fiber in each slice. So it's, you know, five to six grams of fiber per slice of bread. And it's decent. It actually has a bread-like consistency. It does, yes. Um, I really prefer to toast most gluten-free breads because right. I feel like that really helps helps. Uh, but I've pretty much just trained myself around eating bread. So for lunch, I'll roll up turkey around avocado and tomato or, you know, something of that elk where I just skip it and then I save it for, you know, a piece of toast on the side of a breakfast or making croutons or something like yeah. that. So we're talking about really when people go gluten-free, it's not just about eliminating flour, but what I've seen in my clinic too, it's really about what you're inputting into your diet, which is more vegetables, right. you know, more lean protein, cooking in a different kind of way, um, more fruits, nuts, seeds. So it's a big life change for people. Well, it can be. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be. So people with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune, hereditary autoimmune condition, we talked about that last week, right. really need to eliminate all gluten from their diets. Now, the problems, they can just move, those folks who get diagnosed with celiac disease can move over from a kind of standard American gluten-filled diet to a standard American gluten-free diet. And it's just as you know, bereft of nutrients, but right. it all, but it is going to fix this problem where they're pulling out gluten. So many people, though, are cutting out gluten because they want to feel better, they want to have better energy, they, you know, overall, and the benefit you're, when you're making a diet change of then making a healthy diet change as well is huge. And I'm sure there are some people who cut out gluten who actually are and make healthy diet changes who are partially feeling better because they've added a bunch of vegetables and whole grains into their diet because they're being more attentive about what they're eating when they're pulling gluten out. Um, the other thing that used to happen when people eliminated gluten was they, they didn't really have access to the junk as much. Uh, so they right. would go to a coffee shop and there would be nothing to get if they're not eating gluten. Nowadays, there's <laughs> gluten-free junk everywhere you look. Oh, everywhere. And labeling on boxes that are saying gluten-free, which actually I should quickly mention that yes. recently a law came down uh, that's going to go into effect in about a year requiring uh, testing on products that are labeled gluten-free to have less than 20 parts per million of gluten in there. Right. So. It's the FDA uh, um, has just set a standard for gluten-free labeling. Yeah. But they say it doesn't have to be 100% gluten-free. It's this 20 parts per million, which is they consider safe for those who have celiac. Right. And it's a pretty, you know, if you ate a bunch of things, though, with 20 parts per million, right. you could be exceeding that. And some people's sensitivity threshold, especially people with celiac, but some people with just with the, uh, not just, but some people with uh, non-celiac gluten sensitivity can't tolerate that level either. So, you know, really we would have, you know, those of us who are gluten-free advocates would prefer to have seen the level be a little bit lower, but I think it's pretty reasonable that we got anything, actually. That, that, is, uh, that is a good thing. Let's go back to this whole idea of labeling and in stores and becoming gluten-free. So there's a lot of hidden gluten. There's gluten in 
just like there's corn syrup and sugar and everything, there is gluten in tomato soup, like you said. There's gluten in standard uh, soy sauce or miso or soup mixes, which are crazy because it's so much sodium in them. Most commercial products will contain some kind of gluten in them. Well, let's say for someone out there who really doesn't know about this, like yogurt? (laughs) Yogurt would be unlikely, although it's certainly possible with the flavorings that that could happen. Right. So... In other words, you can't take anything for granted. Well, you know, I actually have a a general approach to what I put in my body and what I recommend to my patients and people who I'm consulting with. Read the label of anything you're going to eat. You know, you can choose to put anything in your body... You're a grown-up. You, you're in charge of what you're going to eat. But make that dishes, decision consciously. You know, if you're going to eat Sour Patch Kids, have at it. But read the label. Be conscious about. What is that? Sour <laughs> Patch? It's candy. Oh, okay. You know, just a popular candy. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever thing it is that you're going to eat that may or may not be, quote, unquote, healthy. If you're going to decide to do it, do it consciously. And so just read the label of everything you put in your cart. Right. I mean, recently, someone told me about this fantastic gluten-free um, granola. So I went and I bought it. Uh, I usually make my own. But, right. you know, I, I thought, okay, I'll try it. They said it's fantastic. It had so much sugar, which yeah. is that whole trend that we had for years of, you know, fat-free, but, like, look at the sugar level Crazy. and things. yeah. So is that what you're seeing uh, as well in, in the gluten-free products with high levels of sugar? Well, that's a way, you know, for a lot of the bread products, that's how they're going to kind of make it taste better or make mm-hmm. you want more. Again, mm-hmm. the more sugars in something, the more your brain wants you to eat it. Right. So because of the way it's binding to the receptors, the, mm-hmm. the way your body's responding to the sugar with your brain chemicals. It's, so, it's called drugs. Yes, it's called <laughs> drugs. It is. It, it really, it, really is. it has the same effect, I think, that um, heroin has on the yeah, brain. Yeah, it's nuts. And gluten, too. I mean, for people who are sensitive in that way, gluten can break down into molecules that actually bind to opioid receptors in your brain. So when people sometimes feel worse when they go off of gluten, it's because of that. They're actually having withdrawal. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, really educating people about becoming gluten-free, you know, giving yourself some time. Just like if you stop coffee, you know, right. you might yes. get a headache yeah, for three days. Yeah, you need some time. And really, you know, sometimes people, you know, it's it's not good when people feel deprived. So being right. really conscious about why you're deciding to do it and that you're doing something good for yourself and that you're not actually depriving yourself, you're actually doing it's a gift to be eating foods that are healthy. And that includes staying away from foods that have a lot of sugar in them or corn syrup in them. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, for some people, they really can't eat any of that. But most people can eat some without it being, right. you know, a terrible hardship on their bodies. And paying attention to what's in your food is imperative. Absolutely. I mean, some of the challenges that people have when, when they're changing their diet is uh, one is learning to shop. Second is learning to cook. Third is learning to work with the people you live with, whether it be your family, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends. And then the big other complaint that I, well, there are two others. One is the other is time. And the fifth one is my social life. You know, how am I going to go out? You know, I can't have my beer. I can't, you know, go out with my buddies or my friends. So... Talk about that. How, do, how can someone start to navigate, you know, um, being social 
and changing the way they eat. Right. So one of the first things is to become aware of where you can go that's going to have healthy choices for you and be the instigator of the social gathering, right? Say, oh, let's go to this place or how about if we go to that place? And if they're close friends, you can actually have input like, oh, we're going to go to this English bar and say, oh, hey, you know what? I can't really eat there. Is it okay if we go to the place down the street? Often people are perfectly happy to accommodate. Right. The, uh, you know, another thing that you can do is eat before you go. And I do that often. I also sometimes bring food in my purse, right? And if I if it turns out that there isn't anything for me to eat and I'm hungry, I can do that. Right. And it doesn't mean that your social life is ruined. It's also important for people to know that it's okay to stand up for yourself in making choices that serve you. So I think sometimes we feel like we're, you know, we get embarrassed to put other people out or we just feel like that they're going to judge us. But really, in the end, the most important thing is you feeling well and healthy and energetic. And if people care what you're eating, that's really not your issue. <laughs> it's theirs. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the good things is I was I was doing some research and, and noticed uh, in the restaurant food trends, the, the trend and the demand for gluten-free in restaurants has gone up a huge percentage. And, um, and they're responding. Absolutely. So I think uh, going into restaurants, you can actually ask about gluten-free. And, you know, you might get some response. In most restaurants in Portland, that's the case. So I actually, one of my side gigs right now is curating Mm glutenfreeportland.org. We're in the process of updating the restaurant list from the person who ran the site before I did. And one of the questions we ask is, is your restaurant 100% gluten-free? If not, can you accommodate gluten-free diners? How is it best for, you know, do you have a separate menu? Should they ask the wait staff, et cetera? Now, for someone who has celiac disease, they have to be very, very careful because cross-contaminated contamination can be a concern Mm -hmm. where if food is prepared or if people have serious, you know, severe non-celiac gluten sensitivity that they can't have cross-contamination where the food is prepared with the same utensils or in the same pots or on the same surface as food with gluten on it, they can get very ill. Mm -hmm. So it's important to make sure that you're vetting restaurants before you eat there. Especially if you have a very serious Especially condition. Especially if you have a serious yeah. condition, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but most restaurants in Portland these days are you know, likely to accommodate, especially, you know, the night, you know, restaurants that are a little bit more expensive, they'll tend to be a little bit more likely to tend to you. But even, you know, places like Burgerville is carrying gluten-free buns. There are, you know, at many, many of the places in town where you can get a hamburger, they have options for you. And sometimes it's just wrapping your burger and lettuce. And sometimes it's, you know, giving you bread. And, you know, I can't say that no one's going to, that your weight, that your server isn't going to roll their eyes at you because there's also that piece where people are considered to be, you know, when people don't understand that you're not just following a fad, but you're doing something that actually makes you feel better, there can be some judgment in that. But, you know, again, it's important to advocate for yourself. And um, many, many restaurants these days, they either will, a lot of them are even denoting gluten-free on their menus, or they have a separate kind of secret menu. They do, absolutely. I mean, I think that what we're seeing is, is when people demand it, there's a response. I mean, there couldn't be a $6 billion industry without right. without, right. without there's a being, oh, there's a demand for this. Yeah. You know, I was just back in, in New York City, my hometown, and in this wonderful restaurant, Angelica Kitchen, which is a very old vegan macro restaurant, and high quality 
food and they're they you know i went in there my friend leslie who owns it said well do you want to see our gluten-free menu i said oh my god you have a gluten-free menu she's yeah here you know so there's a whole big thing happening right everywhere it's here in portland more i travel to new york for business often and even just over the last three or four years there's a huge shift there's places opening up in the city that are completely gluten-free and you're getting much more accommodation right Right. so we see up so if someone is is going to a restaurant, they really need to ask if they have a severe condition. Like you said, they need to really protect themselves and yes. kind of know what's what. Um, if someone were to reintroduce gluten into their diet, we had talked about this last week about a patient who had this problem and said, oh, can't I have pizza once a week? She said, no. You said, no, let's do it gluten-free for you know a, a long period of time. And all of her symptoms went away. What if someone wants to play around a little bit? What do they What do they have to? What might they notice? Right. Um, My first instinct when you say that is to just cringe. When people <laughs> feel better, it's hard for me to say it's worth it because your right. body's talking to you, right? Right. So it really depends. I mean, I know people with celiac disease who are off of it; their gut heals up, and they eat it occasionally, and they don't experience symptoms. It's still causing damage in the intestine. Mm. So you know, you can also have some people when they go off of gluten, their responses get more severe when they do eat it. So that can happen as well. Someone's like, well, I never had problems with gluten before. Now I went off it and now I have problems. Well, Mm. you know, that's your, you know, hitting yourself over the head with a hammer and then you stop feeling like you're hitting yourself over the head with a (laughs) hammer because your body accommodates to the constant um, assault. So, you know, I think that there are some people who are going to see their symptoms be much worse if they go back on it. Other people aren't going to notice much of a difference until they eat a certain amount. Uh, the a threshold, I, so to speak. A threshold, right? right. There you go. And again, that's more like it's it, it it doesn't indicate at all how severe your problem with gluten is. Unfortunately, I wish that there I wish that all of this were a little bit more simple as far as knowing what to do and how much you can eat and how much you can't eat. Well, the bottom line is if you're if you've changed your diet and you're feeling better, why would you want to right. go back? And if you do go back and you don't feel well, well, I think that's a great piece of information. It is. And it's human nature, I think, to feel like, oh, now I'm okay. I can do it. Right. And I think it's human nature to want to do what everyone else is doing and sure. not to, you know, not to have limitations or things you can't eat or feeling deprived. And often there are psychological issues for people, right? They mm-hmm. are feel they can't stop themselves from eating it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are all things that if that comes up, if you do feel better being off of gluten and or whatever thing it is that you're taking out of your diet and you you've c- continue to eat it even though it makes you feel unwell, that's an issue you need to deal with right. um, and figure out what you need to do to get to your sweet spot where you can, you know, sail along making good choices, feeling healthy, feeling energetic and feeling good about it. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know, yes, it is up to each one of us to take responsibility and deal with whatever as my friend says, heal and deal yeah. uh, with it. But, you know, it's hard to do alone, and you don't have to be alone. There are a lot of people out there, more than you think, who are working with this, and there are a lot of practitioners and doctors who can help 
uh, people with the issue as well. So I think, you know, you're, you're not alone. And, right, you're and, not alone. We actually, the glutenfreeportland.org has a Facebook group that is most, you have to, you know, you just ask to join. It's just Gluten Free Portland. You look it up and you'll find it. And it's mostly people giving each other support, giving, you know, giving each other ideas for restaurants. You know, it's not a place to go for medical assistance, obviously, right. but it's a great place for support and um, resources as well. So what would be the uh, the page? What would they do? Facebook.com forward slash Gluten Free Portland. Gluten Free Portland. So even if you don't live in Portland, Oregon, uh, you know, it's a way for you to get some support through social media. Yeah, and they're um, very well maybe in, I would surmise in most cities, they have a similar website to the right. GluteFreePortland.org and a similar, you know, support groups as well. And there are, t- you know, these days there are so many resources online. Uh, so many. There are. Yes. So, Samantha, thank you so much oh, for being pleasure. with us and taking people through the gluten uh, stratosphere, so to speak. <laughs> How can people be in touch with you? Uh, you know, what kind of resources can you provide? Just let us let our listeners Great, know. Thanks. So uh, my website is drsamantha.com, and there are a number of resources available there. I actually have a uh, breakfast recipe book that's gluten-free with good strategies for healthy breakfasts that you can find at drsamantha.com forward slash Ellen podcast. And uh, the my local Portland clinic, Evergreen Natural Health Center, is at healthypdx.com. And I'm, you know, on also on the glutenfreeportland.org Facebook group. And then, of course, you can find forward slash Dr. Samantha ND for Facebook. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I think this is a really important uh, peace for people out there who are, are experimenting or seeking or wondering, should I go gluten-free? Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thank you.